Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor. Man, we're so grateful that you guys are here. Whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're joining us online or you're sitting out in the courtyard, maybe you're eating more of the, the meat that was cooked out there. Man, we're, we're so grateful that you came here today on Father's Day. Uh, I do want to celebrate all the men in our church, uh, just like we do with Mother's Day. We, uh, we, we want to celebrate people in all phases of life, so we call that um, uh, Ladies' Day, and we call this Man Day to celebrate all the men. Uh, and this is, this is actually one of the lowest church-attended days of the year, because uh, the, the ladies are like, what do you want to do? And they're like, I just want to like sleep and eat and watch golf and sleep while I watch golf, you know, that type of thing. Uh, and so I just uh, celebrate you being here, and I'm so, so grateful. So ladies, do me a favor, give it up for the men in your life, whether it's your boys or it's your husband or your dad. Man, we're so grateful, so grateful. And uh, guys, I hope that it's an honoring day for you. Uh, I hope you get to do whatever you want to do. Uh, there's no real good sports on because the Avs won last night. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, but man, I hope you feel celebrated today. Hey, next week we're starting a new series where we're looking at some of the most important words that have ever been spoken. Uh, so do not miss that series. It's going to take us through July. Uh, and I uh, want to let you know, just kind of getting ahead of this on July 3rd, uh, because we want our staff to enjoy the July 4th weekend and our dream team and all that. We do everything online. Uh, so the whole service will be online. So if you show up here on July 3rd, you're going to be very alone. Um, uh, there'll be no screen outside to watch it on. So uh, just get ahead of that. We'll tell you guys that next week as well. Uh, but just trying to make sure that you know uh, what's happening. Today, we're going to close out a series called Summer of Love. Where we've been looking at this topic of love and what does love look like and then how do we love? Who are we to love in our lives? And we're taking it out of uh, uh, some words that Jesus spoke in Mark chapter 12. Uh, he tells us who to love in our lives. And there's really three groups of people that we're called to love. And to, to know what those three groups are, let's look at the scriptures. Mark chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, no worries. It'll be on the screen. If you need a Bible, go to our Connections tent. The blue tent out there uh, in the, the courtyard area and just grab a Bible uh, or you can download the Bible app. Uh, but here's what it says in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Who's them? It's Jesus and the other teachers of the law. And they were debating Jesus because they're trying to catch him. They're trying to get him in a place where he says something. They'd be like, hey, look, see, he not, he's not the Messiah. He's not the son of God. He said this, and that's against our scriptures. And so let's kill him. They were trying to get him to say something that was anti what they believed. And so this guy, he hears, he hears them debating. He says, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, hey, Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important one? Like out of all of them, out of the over 600 commandments, which is the most important one? That's a pretty good question. Because if you're being told to follow 600 and something laws, uh, you want to know which one's the most important one uh, out of those. And here's what Jesus says, the most important one is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. So this is, this is what Jesus is saying. Out of all the commandments, these are the most important ones. To love God, that's the first, first one we're supposed to love. Love God with everything that you have. Love others, that's the second group, is to love other people, to care about other people. We talked about loving others the first week. We talked about loving God last week. And then you can see the third group that we're supposed to love in there in, in verse 31. Love your neighbor as yourself. We are called to love ourselves. Now, this is not a, a topic that's discussed a whole lot in the church. 
We talk a lot, the, the big C church talks a lot about loving God and it talks a lot about loving others, but we don't do a whole lot of conversations around loving ourselves. In fact, that was after last service, I was talking with a guy, he's 86 years old, and he said, Ernest, this is the first time I've ever heard about this topic. First time. He said, can we please do a class on this? He's 86, and he's still wanting to grow in this area. This is not a topic that, that we usually deal with a whole lot in the church, but if loving others is dependent on loving yourself, as it says, love others like you love yourself or as you love yourself, you look in our world and you go, man, we don't do a good job of loving others. The animosity, the hatred, the anger, and all of that, and we can blame it on politics, and we can blame it on race, and we can blame it on injustices and all of that, but when you boil it down, if we don't love other people well, we don't love ourselves well. I would say if you don't love yourself well, you can't love others well. If you don't love yourself well, I would say you can't love God well. But this is a weird topic. I mean, it's hard to talk about loving ourselves. I mean, our culture kind of pollutes this topic a little bit. I remember growing up watching Saturday Night Live, and, and there was a guy on there, Stuart Smalley. Uh, if, you, if you watched any of his stuff, he would, he would have guests on his show. And, and one time he had Charles Barkley. And Charles Barkley, you, you know, especially back then, you're like, man, that's a man. You know, he's a big basketball player, big dude. Like, that's a man. He had him on there. And at the end of every show, you'd say, okay, now, Charles, look in the mirror. You have to look in the mirror and say, okay, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough, smart enough, and what? For all the 40 and older, gosh darn it, people like me. You'd have to say that. And man, if that's what loving myself looks like, I don't want any part. Like, I don't want any part of Stuart Smalley or looking into a mirror and be like, Ernest, I love you. You're good enough. You're smart enough. Like, I don't want any, that feels so weird, you know? So this is a topic that, that really isn't discussed a whole lot in the church, but it's something that is so vital. I mean, Christianity hasn't taught this well, and, and the church hasn't taught this well. And so uh, why would we do this on man day? I mean, this is like the, the worst time to talk about loving yourself. Like, you don't, I, I'm pretty much guaranteed we're probably the only church in the nation talking about how to love yourself on man day. Like, I, I'm pretty sure that's probably true. I mean, because that's not a way to attract guys. Like, hey, guys, come to our church. We're going to talk about how to love yourself. You know, like, if we want to attract guys, we talk about, like, how do you kill a bear with your bare hands? Or, like, how do you recycle your pee if you get lost in the wilderness? You know, something like that. Like, we talk about that. Guys are like, yeah, man, I want to hear about that. But we're talking about loving yourself. Real good planning, Ernest. We did it on purpose. Because I think, I think men, I also think ladies, really struggle. I think fathers really struggle with loving themselves. And you, you can love your spouse. You can love your friends. You can love your kids. You can love your coworkers. You can love your employees. You can love other people in your life really well. You'll bend over backwards for them, but loving yourself, that feels awkward. It's really, really hard for us to do. So why is it so important? I mean, why is this topic so important in our lives, that like this is something we have to talk about. This is something that Jesus brought. Jesus could have easily just said, hey, love God with everything and love others. Could have easily said that, but he put this third one in as yourself. You gotta love yourself well. So why is this so important? Yesterday, we, um, a bunch of us got back from Costa Rica. We went on a mission trip to Costa Rica. And church, I just wanna say thank you 
Uh, thank you for your generosity toward our team. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for supporting us. It was an incredible trip. We're going to talk a little bit more about it next week, but uh, I just want to say thank you. My son and I went, uh, and it was an incredible, incredible experience. But when we're flying, and if you've flown with kids before, then you know this always happens. You know, they get over the loudspeaker, and they're talking to you, and for most of us, we just drown them out. We're listening to something else or whatever. But if you have kids, they're going to come up to you, and they're going to say, hey, sir, if the mask come down, before you put it on your child, put it on who? Yourself. Well, because they understand that if I'm losing oxygen and I pass out, I can't help my child. I can't help the person next to me. I can't help anybody else on the plane if I'm out of it. The understanding is and the principle is if you're not healthy, you can't help other people be healthy. This is a massive concept for us to, to grab a hold of. I mean, the why behind loving ourselves, I mean, let's talk about stats. I mean, Castle Rock in Douglas County has some of the highest suicide rates in the country. Suicide rates for teenagers, one of the highest in the country. You know, our highest percentage, our highest rate of suicide, and it's the highest in the country for this group, is men between the ages of 38 and 55. It's the highest rate of suicide in the country is right here. I don't know if you've ever wrestled with suicidal thoughts. I tried to kill myself a long time ago. I've had a lot of friends, a lot of family members kill themselves. And if you take that action, you probably struggle with loving yourself. So we can just look at stats. We can just look at the, the heartbreaking stuff that we see all around us. And there's some of us that are dealing with that right now. We're dealing with suicidal thoughts. We're dealing with depression. Different things in our lives where we look at ourselves and we're like, man, I'm... I'm struggling with loving myself right now. So we can just look at stats or we can look at, man, the idea that you can't love others well unless you love yourself well. So like our world's not going to change just by simply saying, love, love others better. Like maybe if we get a, a, a you know, maybe if, if, if this person was president or maybe if this person was mayor or maybe if this person was whatever the position is. Maybe if this, we're about to go through another round of, of political stuff and I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Because we think, man, if we can just get this person in place, then we'll, we'll be good. We'll, love it. we'll have a better community and a better country and all that. I'm like, not if you don't love yourself well. If you don't love yourself well, you can't love others well. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you treat other people poorly, I'll guarantee you, you treat yourself poorly. You talk to yourself and about yourself very poorly. But I would also say it impacts your relationship with God. Like, I don't know any person that struggles with loving themselves that deeply, deeply loves God. It, like, doesn't struggle with loving God. There's a lot of people in my life, a lot of people over the years that have struggled in their relationship with God, struggled in their faith. And if you boil it down, there's definitely a piece where they struggle loving themselves. Like, how can you love God as the creator if you don't love his own creation? Like how can you love God as the savior if you don't love the fact that he saved you from your sin? You love yourself because he first loved you. You see, this topic is massive. It's not one we talk about a whole lot. It's not one that, that, that Christianity really deals with a whole lot, unfortunately. But it's one that impacts every aspect of our lives. You want to love others well, you have to love yourself well. You want to love God well, you have to love yourself well. You don't want to be a stat, you have to love yourself well. 
So if it's so important, why don't we love ourselves well? What's the barrier to loving yourself well? I just thought of a few this week. Um, uh, one barrier to, to loving yourself well is shame and guilt. When I say guilt, I'm not talking about a godly guilt. That's a, that's a, conviction, a conviction of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin in your life, that is a positive thing. Like when we get convicted of sin, like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. God, I give this over to you. That's a positive. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a type of guilt where you're living in your past. Where you're so ashamed of what you've done. Or so upset by something that, some decision that you made that you can't forgive yourself. Some of us, man, we can forgive others easily. We can forgive God most of the time. But forgiving ourselves is a real battle. I mean, if you've been a parent, you've dealt with this type of guilt. You call it mom guilt or dad guilt. Like my wife and I, we make decisions for our kids all the time and we, we think what we think is the best decision for them in that moment with the information that we have, with the, the, the place that we're in spiritually and that we're in emotionally and all of that. And, and maybe a few days later, maybe a, a few weeks later, maybe it's a few years later, we look back and we're like, man, that wasn't the best decision. And maybe that hurt my kid by, dis, by choosing that. Maybe new information came to light and we look at that and we're like, man, we probably shouldn't have done that. And, and how's that going to mess them up? How's that going to impact them? And, and we have that, that parent guilt placed on us. Or maybe for some of us, we've done something in our lives, we've done something in our past that we just can't let go of. We've committed some sin. And in the eyes of the world, or maybe in your own eyes, it's, it's this huge sin. Maybe it's sexual sin, maybe it's an abortion, maybe whatever it may be, and it's this massive sin you've done in your life, or, or what the world says is a massive sin. You look at it, you're like, how could I ever forgive myself? I could forgive other people if they did that, but I can't forgive me. Shame and guilt are a barrier to forgiving yourself. Another thing is misunderstood identity. We don't understand who you are, who God created you to be. When the world is, is creating your identity, when, when what you say about yourself determines what you believe about who you are and, and you, you don't understand who you are as a human and who God created you to be and why he created you and your purpose and all of that, that misunderstood identity, like, like we're trying to live to be something else. We're trying to live in the past. I, I've got some buddies that, that they've retired from the NFL and man, they really struggle with this concept. I really struggle with this idea of like, I'm not a football player anymore. That's been my, 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 my whole identity my entire life is, is so-and-so is a football player since I was four years old or whatever. Now I'm not that and I, I'm wrestling with this. And when you wrestle with your identity, you can make some very poor decisions in life. Failure, that's another barrier to loving yourself well. If part of who you are is wrapped up in what you do, which is true for a lot of men, and when we fail at what we do, we have a challenging time to love ourselves. We have a difficult time in loving us, not because of what we've done, but simply because God created us. Unmet expectations. Maybe you think, you know, I, I should be in a different place of life at this point. I should already be married, or I should already have kids, or I should be a better father, or I should be a better son, or I should be a better mother, or whatever. You have these expectations. All of us put these expectations on ourselves. And if you're like me, your expectations are really high. And when you don't meet up to them, you're, I'm a failure. I'm not any good. Will I ever do that? Will I ever achieve? So unmet expectations is a barrier to loving ourselves well. And, and lastly, we've just never been taught how to do this. I mean, like, raise your hand if you've ever taken a class on how to love yourself well. Yeah. Don't see any hands raised. 
right? That's not something that like you, 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 you learned in sixth grade. You know, that you taught as a, or you went in as a college elective. You know, like, it's just not something we've been taught. We should. There should be classes on this, 100%, but there aren't. And so we really struggle, man, how do I love, and if the world teaches me that the way to love myself is Stuart Smalley, then I don't want any part in that. So how do I do this? So if the topic is this big and there's some barriers to it, then how do we learn to love ourselves? Like, how do we actually do that? I'm going to give you three practical steps, but before I do that, The foundation of it all is Jesus. It's returning to Christ. And there's some of us right now that we're in a place where we're really struggling to love ourselves well. We're really struggling to look in the mirror and accept who we are. And not cast judgment on ourselves, not hold our past against ourselves. We're struggling. And maybe you see that in the fruit of how you love God or in the fruit of how you love others. And maybe today is the first day you've been like, wow, maybe I'm treating people that way because I'm struggling with myself. The first step, the foundation of it all is return to Christ. But you're still going to have doubts 100%. You still have question marks about your faith 100%. But at the end of the day, Jesus is that answer. And he's the one that created you. He knows why you're created. When he looks at you, he doesn't see a mistake. When he looks at you, he doesn't see your past. He sees you for who he created you to be. He loves you deeply. So if you struggle with loving yourself, first return to him. What does that mean? It means going, God, man, I haven't figured this out. But I trust that what you did on the cross was enough. I trust that you love me. I want to know you more. I want that relationship with you. And you return to Christ. The only way to do these next three things I'm going to give you is to first have the foundation of Christ. Is to first truly pursue after Jesus. And once you do that, and let me give you three practical steps to loving yourself well. Number one, deal with your past. Deal with your past. I would bet the majority of people that I've met in my life that don't love themselves well, it's because they're still stuck here. I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should have done this. I should have said this to this person. I shouldn't have said this to this person. And you wake up many days thinking about this. You go to sleep many days thinking about this mistake, this regret, this shame that Satan keeps heaping on you over and over and over. So how do you, how do you deal with your past? You... First, give it over to God. You confess it. You confess whatever sin it is, whatever issue it is. And then you receive his forgiveness. And from receiving his forgiveness, you choose to forgive yourself. And then you let it go. You let it go. I love this passage in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It says, this is Paul speaking. It says, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This is God speaking to him. That God's grace is sufficient for Paul, for his power is made perfect in Paul's weakness. Now, we don't know what Paul is specifically talking about here. It could be a sin. could be another area of his life that he's talking about that I'm weak in. And, man, God is, his grace is sufficient. But I think this statement from God is true for all of us, that God's grace is sufficient for you. 
meaning that what he did on the cross was enough. So why do we keep holding on to something that Jesus died for? Like when Jesus died for our sins, he didn't die just for a few sins. He didn't die like, oh, you know what, you know, if you tell a little white lie, then I'll forgive that. Or, you know, if you, if you make a mistake over here, you cheat on a test, I'll forgive that. Or, or you cheat on your taxes, ah, I might forgive that. But you start getting into some bigger ones, some real sins, ah, God can't forgive those things. You see, Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins, for everything that we've ever done, for everything that we will ever do. And yet for so many of us, we're holding on to that sin. We're holding on to that mistake. We're holding on to that past. When Jesus says, hey, I've already forgiven you. I already died on the cross for you. You don't have to hold on to that anymore. So why hold on to something that God's not holding on to? Why hold on to something that God is not holding against you? You've got to deal with your past. Forgive yourself. Christ has forgiven you. So you forgive you. And then let it go. The second step is to accept your identity. Accept your identity. It's not your, uh, it's not your past. It's not what others say about you that matters. It's not what you do. It's not your kids or what they do that matters. Your identity is built solely on what God says about you. Because he's the one that created you. He's the one that fashioned you the way that you are. He's the one that has given purpose to your life, whatever that purpose is. He's the one that does that. So what he says about you matters most. And I love what this this passage says in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And we're his handiworks. Other translations say that we are his masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. That, like, like, like you could go out in nature and you can see the mountains and, and, and man, I love, I love looking at the mountains when there's just snow covering the peaks and like, like, and that's the most beautiful thing or wherever the most beautiful place you've ever been, you can look at that and God goes, yeah, yeah, I made that and I made you and you're more perfect than that. But you have to receive that identity. You have to accept that identity. So many times our identity is wrapped up in what we do or wrapped up in what people say about us or wrapped up in in being a mom or being a dad or wrapped up in our business or wrapped up in what somebody told me when I was younger or whatever it may be. I love this quote from Scotty Scheffler. He was uh, the Masters champion this year. The Masters is a golf tournament for some of you who don't know. And they asked him after he won, they said, hey, like how much pressure was there? Like, he was leading going into the day, and so, like, like were you nervous? You know, that, like, you could have you faltered. You could have just fallen through and, and lost it all. And here's what he said. So, for me, my identity isn't a golf score. Like Meredith, who's his wife, told me this morning, if you win this golf tournament today, if you lose this golf tournament by 10 shots, if you never win another golf tournament Again, she goes, I'm still going to love you. You're still going to be the same person. Jesus loves you, and nothing changes. He says, my identity is not in a golf score. What's your identity wrapped up in right now? What would it be hard for you to say, my identity isn't, my identity isn't being a mom, My identity isn't being a business owner. 
My identity isn't, like when people say, who are you? What's the, your first response? Is it, well, I'm a, I'm a mother of four. Or I'm a business leader in the community. Or I'm a pastor. If it's one of those answers, I want you to know that's not who you are. Who you are is the creation of God. Who you are is someone that God loves so much that he died on the cross for you. Who you are is a child of God. That's your identity. And if you want to love yourself well, you have to accept your true identity. Not what, not what others say and not what, not what the world tells you and not what you even tell yourself. You have to accept the identity that God says about you, that you are his creation, that he loves you so much that he died on the cross for you. And then once you receive his salvation, you are a child, a child of the most high God. Once you do those two things, Lastly, you got to prioritize your health. You got to prioritize your health. You could deal with your past and you can accept your identity, but if you don't prioritize your health, you'll become unhealthy really quickly. A few years back, I was wrestling with this topic, and man, I felt like I had dealt with my past. I accepted my identity of who I was, but I wasn't doing things to make my make sure that I was healthy. And like that's pretty natural for most of us. I mean, that's why a flight attendant has to come tell you to put on the mask for you first before your kid because our first inclination is to help other people. The majority of people in this world are good people. And, the, and your first inclination is to help somebody else, to care for somebody else. You'll bend over backward for somebody else. You'll protect other people's boundaries. You'll do all those things, but when it comes to you, nah, I'll be all right. I'll be okay. I can deal with this. We don't take care of ourselves. We don't prioritize our own health, our spiritual health, our mental health, our emotional health, our physical health. So at that time in my life, like I, I wasn't working out and I wasn't eating very well and I wasn't going to counseling and there were a lot of things that like I just wasn't doing. And when you're not doing the things to make sure that you get healthy, don't be surprised when you wake up day going, I'm really unhealthy. You can't get healthy without taking proactive steps to get there. It's just impossible. What do you need to do? Like what boundaries do you need to create? What things do you need to make sure you're doing to be healthy for yourself? I love this quote. Daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love others, even when we risk disappointing others. Let me say that again. Ourselves, sorry. Daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves, even when we risk disappointing others. You're going to disappoint others when you take care of yourself. That's just going to happen. But dare to do that because you need to love yourself. You need to love you well. So what are you doing to prioritize your health? What are you doing to prioritize your spiritual health? What are you doing to make sure that you're physically healthy? What are you doing to make sure that you're mentally healthy, that you're emotionally healthy? Hoping that things go away doesn't make things go away. Hoping things get better doesn't make things better. You gotta actually take steps today to move in that direction. And it may not be tomorrow, it may not be in a week from now, but you'll wake up. If you're taking those steps, you'll wake up and go, man, I feel pretty healthy. I feel like we're in a pretty good place right now. I love this passage. And I'll close with this. It's Proverbs 19, verse 8. 
It's the first part of it. It says this, to acquire wisdom is to love yourself. To acquire wisdom is to love yourself. Another translation says, whoever gets sense, so whoever gets wisdom, understanding, loves his own soul. This is a massive topic. It's not one that we do well at. But if you're going to love others well, you have to love yourself well. If you're going to love God well, you have to love yourself well. And it all starts with Jesus. It all starts with running to him. And then from there, deal with your past. Learn to forgive yourself. Learn to give it to God. And once you do that, forgive yourself and let it go. Learn to accept your identity. One of the hardest things about accepting your own identity is stopping the other voices around you. There's a lot of voices out there that will tell you certain things about you. One of those voices is social media. It's a big one that will tell you certain things about you and you don't even realize it's being imprinted into you. I was talking with my son yesterday about a movie. He's like, Dad, I really want to go see this movie. I said, sorry, son, we're not, we're not going to see that movie. Why? I said, because there's things in there that will impact you and will impact the way that you think that's not healthy and it's not godly. That's hard to understand. I was so proud of my wife. A few years back, she, she realized that like, social media just wasn't a healthy spot for her. So she's been off of it for years now, completely off. Some of you are like, I wish I could do that. You can. You can. It just takes self-control. And it takes being willing to allow the, the right voices, primarily God's voice, to be primary in your life. And then you got to prioritize your health. My prayer is that as we learn to love ourselves, that will then impact the way that we love others and will ultimately impact the way that we love God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this topic as it is, it's a challenging one. We believe that you led us to speak on this topic on this day for a reason. Father, I believe that there are people who are watching right here in person, maybe watching online, that, man, this is a topic that we really struggle with. Like another individual who came up last service, God, that, man, this one hits hard. For some of us, this one's hitting us hard. And, God, we want to be people who love you well. We want to be people who love others well. So help us to be people who love ourselves well. Father, for those of us who would say, you know what, I'm struggling there. I'm struggling with letting go of my past or I'm struggling with prioritizing my health or understanding who I am in Christ. I pray for each one of those individuals, Father, that today they would first and foremost turn to you. We may not have all the answers. There's still gonna be some doubts and some questions, but God, we run to you now. And Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We thank you for loving us enough, even when we haven't loved ourselves, so that we can be saved because of your great love. Father, as we do that, help us to, God, prioritize our health. Help us to let go of the past and the shame, the guilt. Help us to understand who we are in you. That when you look at us, you smile. And when you look at us, you call us a son or a daughter.
of you. Thank you for that, God. May we see ourselves in that way. May it impact everything else in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.